Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week's share will be both about Yom Narayim as well as Sukkot. We're going to have from Chicago, Ramesha Francis, the Rish Koyal in Chicago. He's Machaber on Sefer on Hilchas Chalamayid. He's the Mar the Shmaitz of Hilchas Chalamayid. He's a Talmud of Rav Gusman, Rav Palm. Halachas of Chalamayid you may not have been aware of. Can you have someone build your house on Chalamayid? Mow your lawn, fix your car. Can you order on Amazon? Can you go into work? Allow your employees to go into work, etc., etc. We will have from the OU, Ramesh Elephant, who's also the uh, worldwide Dafyami Magid Shear. He has 3,000 listeners a day. He just finished Masechta Sukkah. He will be sharing with us Halacha and Agada on Masechta Sukkah and on the Yamtif of Sukkah. Should be fascinating Shear. We'll also be doing something big this week. We're going to go big or go home. There's eight days of Yamtif. We're not counting some uh, Taira. And uh, when anybody's, you should be, have drunk too much to be able to think. We're going to be asking eight riddles, one for each night. And since it's eight riddles, if you get them all right, you're going to get a gift card, a $250 gift card. If you get half of them right, four, we'll send you a $50 gift card. Regardless of whether you get them right, you spent many hours putting them together, struggling with them. Um, you'll find them, you should find them interesting, worth thinking about, and cause a shakalavataria by your yamtiv table. We will also be, since it's the end of the year, the beginning of the year, we'll be speaking about an Askin, Rabbi Avi Schnell, from the Aguda, who is arguably, right now, the most influential Askin in Klal Yisrael. Why do I say that? In Chutzlar, it's the largest Jewish community in Klal Yisrael, outside of Eretz Yisrael, is now, has now become Lakewood, Jackson, Tom's River, etc. I've heard that prices in Flatbush are going down. Nobody's moving in anymore. In fact, somebody said on his block, two houses came up for sale, and somebody said a Pakistani and a Chinese gentleman bought the two houses because he says people are all moving to Lakewood or Tom's River. So he is the Askin that is really making a real difference. You know, in Jackson, they didn't allow busing for the 3,000 children. He was the Askin they turned to to litigate with Jackson. They wanted to stop the Arab. He went to court to, they wanted to disallow the Arab. He got it permitted etc., etc. When when the townships around Lakewood want to, again, uh, disallow new moisters from coming in, which there are laws to that effect, etc., who do they turn to? Avi Schnell. So it's just a way to be makir, all the work, sometimes contentious and difficult work, and the difference that one Askin is making on what is now the biggest issue of Shemri Tairu Mitzvahs in the world outside of Eretz Yisrael. We'll be interviewing one of the Askanim from Lakewood. Um, there are many Askanim, actually from Jackson, Many Askanim wanted to talk about it. We are limited on time. We chose one. Should be a really fascinating share. But before we do that, I want to go back to the Yamam Narayim. And you know, one of my favorite topics is what separates Kval Yisrael? You know, we say, And we see this on some level. I don't want to say Alpinista, but certainly Alpinigla. You know, this year, five Jews, five Jews won Nobel Prizes. Just to give you an idea, the biggest disease that attacked the world was the coronavirus. And the two companies that had the most effective vaccines, the first one was Moderna, second one was Pfizer, both by Jews. So you see, Raymond, how such a tiny nation has such impact. Let me go to this Yamtif and add on to just a thought about this. The Gemara Navay de Zara, and Af Yud Zayin, 
tells us an, a famous and astonishing story of Rebbe Lezabander Daya, who was a really very contemporary OTD person. What does the Gemara say about him? He, Rebbe Lezabander, he was a chronic sex addict. The Gemara says he visited every Zaina on earth. Talk about somebody who has real issues. He lived a life of total indulgence, disregarding any type of morality dictated by the Torah. The Gemara says one time he heard about a prostitute who lived in a distant land who was the most expensive in the world. It says he crossed seven riv rivers to reach her. While he was mesyached with her, she said, he said, you are a person, you can never ever return to morality, to decency. You can never do tshuva. I knew it's impossible. It's impossible. Hearing her laugh at him rattled him. So what did he, it says he went to the mountains and he sat beside the mountains and he said, seek compassion for me. Like the mountains. Then he said he turned to the heaven and earth. He begged the sun, the moon, the stars. The Gemara says he then said, It's only me. The matter depends only on me. He sat, he wept until his neshama departed. The Gemara says that a baskel came out, Rebbe He became a Rebbe, this, this Eisfarf. Given the title, Rabbi. What, what is the meaning of this Gemara? We're going to go along the path of the Yarist Vash, the great Rebbe Rebbe Yenison. And Yarist Vash uh, based, you know, so Rabbi Yenison says like this, he says he went to the mountains. What does the mountains represent? The mountains represent our parents. The Torah says, um, This is something fascinating. Rabbi Lezabar said, he went to his parents and he said, listen, I want to do tshuva and I need your help because, you know why I'm such an addict? It's because of you. Do you remember when you did ABC? Do you remember when you did? He turned to his mother. She couldn't have been such an Ishik Shera, we would imagine. Do you remember when you did? And, and those images I saw in the house and this, that's, that's why I became such an addict. doesn't say he was wrong. It says they couldn't help him. Maybe they felt guilty. So what does he say? He went next to the, uh, to the rivers. What do the rivers represent? Society. And he says, I grew up in the... You think I grew up in a holy society where I grew up, there was such mushchasim. The schools I went to, my teacher was a manuval. The kids in my, who knows, I was molested by somebody. He went to the oceans. He says, my school was terrible. I had the worst rabbeim. They turned me off. Or, my teachers hated me. None of my teachers knew how to teach. Or, you know, back to his parents, I grew up poor. You know, and that's why I, became, I, was, I grew up rich, I had affluenza, or I wasn't smart enough, or better yet, I married the wrong person. If she would have been more accommodating, a heroin, I didn't have zitzflesh. Nobody gave me a chance. My boss was very mean. It's terrible. It's the heaven, the earth, the sun, and the moon, all the different forces. And the truth is, yeah, there's a lot of bad things out there. Very few of us, I don't know anybody, has a perfect life. At some point, someone, something caused us a problem and it really put us, puts us at a disadvantage. It's not our imagination. And at the end, he listened to everybody, but he still wasn't satisfied. It didn't help him. He still couldn't do tshuva, blamed on this one, that one. And he recognized something powerful. Ein hadava tali elevi. Nobody can help me. It's true. 
this one did that to me, and this one did that to me, and my society, and my economic scenes, and my social strata, etc. But you know what? Came to realization, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. That was the Chiddush of Rebbe Elizabeth today. And you know why he's called Rebbe? Because it really teaches all of us something. All of us have something that to genuinely puts us at a disadvantage and causes us not to be able to be the person we want to be, which is really what Chet is. But what did Rebbe Lazar discover? The last Kfira, the Kfira at the end of time that we're seeing in our life, is the Kfira in Bechira, the Kfira in free will. There's a whole school of psychology now. It's called determinism. Everything that you do is predetermined by one of two things. Either the genetic makeup, your cells, your molecules, your DNA, the wiring of your brain, the chemicals in your brain, or alternatively, some event that happened when you were a child. That's Freudian. Same idea. Determinism. Whereas one of the great determinists says, one of the greatest, Kaifrim, a Jew, of course, Sam, Sam Harris, free will is an illusion. There really is a, a major stream of... A, you know, we had a few weeks ago on to Galachem who are proclaiming that nothing you can do in your life, good or bad, makes a difference as long as you have a Muna in some of Aydazara. Your actions are meaningless. This is a Bechira greater, greater than that. You don't even have, forget about what you're doing good or bad, you don't have the ability to choose whether to do good or bad actions. That's the Kfira of determinism. Rabbi Elizabeth Adai said, you know who's not so far from this? You know, we read on Rosh Hashanah the story of Hagar. Right? She's sent out of the house, and she runs out of water, and she takes her child, and she goes and she cries. What is that? Sort of like utter helplessness. It's a different type of determinism. There's nothing I could do. I'm helpless. And not only that, when there are choices, because it says the Malach opened up rise Vatirabir Mayim, doesn't say the Malach created a Bermayim, but Fatera Bermayim was always there. Just the helpless person believes there is nothing they could do to change their fate. That's one Mahalach. And Rebbe Eliezer ben said, no, ain't hadavatali elabi. That the denouncement of free will is a type of kfira. You know, in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we say in the Sanataikif, the Gemara says, Gimel Sfarim Niftachim, and we say, V'choysim Yad Kaladambay. So the Raivan, a late Rishon, a Brachis, says, he says, everybody writes in that. Who writes in it? The Rabbi Shalom doesn't write it. He says, everybody writes what their next year is going to look like. And the Tzlach and Sukkah and Avchavtes, he says, same thing, he says, all the writing done on Rosh Hashanah is done by you, by you and me. It's not done by the Rabbi Shalom. Every person writes his fate. That's right. What fate? What are you going to write in your safer this year? So what are the Yamim Narayim? It's Ein Hadava Toli Elabi Ubacha. It's the time to stop making excuses, seeing that uncontrollable factors run our lives. But no, your future, your life, you can pick up the pen and write it. And it's interesting. Rosh Hashanah, 5,782 years ago, you know, last week or this week, depending on when you're listening, what's the first thing we see by Adam Arishan, the first words of Adam Arishan? What does he say? Ha'isha asher nasata imadi inasanali mino eitz 
wasn't me. Wasn't my fault. It was her fault. First words of Adam. Her fault. Not me. Right? Determinism. Kfira and Bechira. I didn't, wasn't up to me. It was up to her. Ah, that woman. Right? That's the, and what is the, what is the highlight of the Sanatoikev? The Chaysim Yad Kaladavai. No. We, we give you the pen on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You write what your next year will look like. You think I'm saying something that sounds like maybe a little bit wild that you write it? You know, Rabbi Nubchaya in, in Kisaitzen, the Pasuk of Kippel Hanoifil, says something even more astonishing. He says, so much is our fate in our own hands and we could choose our actions. He says, before we come down to this world, Rabbi Nubchaya writes, the Rabbi Shalom tells us every part of our life and we choose whether to come down or not. We choose whether to be a... So the Torah is the ultimate book of determinism, of lack of determinism, of total Bechira. You know, the Tur brings that on the Tfilis Roshanim Kippur, we do something we don't do the rest of the year. We say V'chein, V'chein Yiskadesh, V'chein Ting Pachtacha, V'chein Ting Kavod, V'chein... He says, what's a V'chein? He says, it comes from Esther, V'chein Avoy El HaMelech. It's true that over here it says Uvachain. So when we say, what is the Yavan coming into the Sukkah? What, what, what is the Uvachain coming into Rosh Hashanah and And I put to you that of, just like Hagar, one of the most helpless people in all of Tanakh is Esther. The Gemara calls her Esther Karka Elamhi. She's the ground. Just, you know, offer. The nafshi ka'afalakalti doesn't feel anything. She is totally invisible in the beginning. All she is, is Mordechai's niece. She asks him everything. When Mordechai tells her about this, about Bixavaseresh, she goes, all she does, she follows every word. She doesn't have a single daya. What happens? One point he says to her, he says, Esther, you have to step up to the plate. It's now or never. He says, And what happens? Esther steps up to the plate. And she says, Even though whoever comes into the king, right, will be put to death without his approval, I am stepping up. I am taking my future into my own hands. What is the message, perhaps, of the Amun The Chayseim Yad Kaladambai? Here's the question. What are you, are you going to write your story for this year, Yom Kippur? Are you going to play the role of Hagar? Or are you going to be like Esther and saying, Are you going to accept the message of Rebbe Elizabeth and ultimately, are you going to pick up your pen? Are you going to write your story? And you know what? You're holding the pen. You might as well write a big story. Have a dream that's so big that it scares you. That's the Jewish way. Pick up a pen. Write a big story for you, for your family. Okay, we're going to go to our riddles now. Last week's riddle winners, Lauren Berman, David Birenbaum, Matt Califf, David Svi Halevi Glick, Sruli Modis, Yitzchak Palak, David Zemel, 
Aryeh Koenig, and Simcha Rosenblatt. I want to apologize to the Ilum. Many of you send riddles, and I do not have the time to answer them, simply not because I don't think a lot of really tremendous Talmud Hachamim who write beautiful things. It's just Pashita. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, and I have a day job. You know, it's, it just takes a lot of time, but they really... So congratulations to all these, and they will all be getting a gift card. Okay, we're going to go to our riddles now. 250 if you get them all, well, eight, 50 if you get here. Okay. The Shulchan Aruch says in Tafrei Shud Chesif Gimel, what happened? Two doctors say, don't let him eat. He should not eat. One doctor says he should eat. What's the locha? You go bus and rave. You do not give him to eat. You go after the two doctors. Now here's the Pella. Hatzalah, when they come out. When you call up, you say, you know, oh, somebody fell. It looks a little serious. Hatzalah says, I'm coming. What are the odds that there's a real thing here? Come on. It's, it's more than 50% the guy's going to die, that it's Bikwach Nefesh. Of course not. I mean, if you ask Katsala, one out of a thousand calls, one out of five, maybe it's one out of 200 calls, it's certainly a, a tiny meat that's Bikwach Nefesh. So the question is, in Hilcha Shabbos, what's the halacha? We paskin that nafla alav apoilas, right? This is in the Shinchavtes, right? The halacha, if a, if, a, if a wall fell on somebody, you go and you, even if it's 99% chance that the guy is dead. Not only that, you're not even sure if, if the guy who it fell upon was a, a, a yid or a guy. It's a, that's the suffix. You don't know if he's alive. You're not even sure if he was there. What's the lacha? You pick up the mapilus, you save, you try to save him. You're not sure if he, if he's alive anymore, right? So the lacha is, you, you, so you, because you go after every suffix, what's the klal? When it comes to all the Hatzalas of Shabbos. Here on Yom Kippur, the guy's, he says, I'm dying, I'm dying. What does the doctor say? The doctor say, no, sorry, you're not. Two doctors say, you go after the rave doctors. That's the end of the story. Why all the time our Kabbalah's in Shabbos ain't Here on Yom Kippur, suddenly we see, you do go after rave. Riddle number one. Riddle kept me up for two nights. Okay, along the same line, here's another, a related riddle. In Tafrei Shudches, Shulchan Aruch says that a chayla that has to eat, you give it to him, even if now he's not sick, pikuach nefesh, because you think it could lead to a pikuach nefesh. A guy, Rahman Olatzvan, he's inside, he has, he had a disease that's in remission, and if they don't feed him, they're afraid it could trigger something and bring the disease back out. The luch is, even so he eats, to prevent a disease from, from the oncoming of a disease even. The question is, here we're going the other way. The, uh, the Beis Yosef in Shin Chavches brings from Rabbeinu Yeruchim that a choyle she'en by sakana, and it could come to a sakana. You're not mechal Shabbos for on an isidarais and something that could come to a sakana. So here we have the exact opposite. We are the, uh, we were machmir in Hilchah Shabbos and mekil in Hilchah Shem Kippah. It's not the same riddle, but it's related. So this is our second one. Okay, these two are in halacha. Now we're going to go to drush. We just said the story of Rabbi Elizabeth Adai. The Gemara in Yuma, Pevavim Bey says, Amr Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, G'day la tshuva shemareches yamav ushnois of shaladam. Person's tshuva extends your life. And he brings a makar for it. I don't understand. Tshuva extends somebody's life? Probably the single most famous story of tshuva in Shas, arguably one of the two or three, is the story we spoke about before, about Rebbe Lozavet who was this addict and etc. And what does it say about him? Finishes his tshuva, and on the spot, he's nifta. So how could you say, the Gemara say, that tshuva brings tarichas yamim, 
when the most famous Baal Tshuva, one of the most famous Baal Tshuva ever, finishes his Tshuva, and on the spot, he's Nifta. Mamisha Lestira to the uh, Deirah Gemara. Here's riddle number four. We're going to go to Sukkot now. This is Akasha Mipi Hashmua from nobody else but the great Reb Chaim Salavechik, the Grach. Drama says that you don't make Kiddush on Leil Rishin Shel Sukkot until it's Vishor Laila. Why? Because Achilas Pas Besuka, you learn from Tesfa, from Tesfa, from Chagamatzais, and by Chagamatzais you need Laila, Erev Teichlumatzais. So the question is, Rektor Chaim, I don't understand. Let him eat the entire meal, and at the end of the meal, before he sings Shiramalis, make Kiddush, etc., before they make Shiramalis, he'll eat as a Kaiman of a Kezayis, and he'll say, This is now for Achila Tezvav Tezvav. Right? Which, by the way, is an H that the Magan Avram gives on, uh, on, on Shabbos, making early Shabbos, etc. But regardless, so why do you have to make Kiddush and wait until it's late? The kids are falling asleep already. Make Kiddush and eat early. Finish whatever your time is. 45 minutes, 50 minutes, 72 minutes. And at that time, eat your Kezayis. And you don't have to be up late. Why does Drab Paskin that ain't le Kaddish below Rishon Shal Sukkis ad Shia Laila? That's the Kasha of the Grach. That is our fourth riddle. Here is riddle number five. The Gemara in Sukkah, and Afrim Zayin Amad Aleph, says in a really an astounding story, that Rav Huna Barbizna didn't eat in the Sukkah the entire Yom Tif because he had to take care of his cattle. So we had a dinner of a whole Chedrachim, and they'll put them in a Sukkah, right? Alts Oivrei Drachim. The, the entire circus, and that's why they made the Shechianu on the last night of Yom Tif. Question is, the, the tour of Oivrei Drachim, Taisvis and other Rishayim say is why? Because it's Teishfu Kentadur. You know, even when you live at home, you travel, and the same tour of Teishfu Kentadur is the tour of Mitzayir. And Mitzayir is Patam and Asukah, because if you lived at home, you'd also leave a room that had such a leak in it, or whatever the case may be. So, kids, Mitzayir and Holchid Racham are both from the same tour of of Teishfu Kain Teduro. So the question is, Laila Rishain, is a Mitzayir Patam and Asukah because of Teishfu Kain Teduro? Of course not. Why? Because we make Igzer Shava from Pesach of Tezvav Tezvav. Over there, there's no Patur Mitzayir. So the first night, there's no Patur Mitzayir either. So just like on the first night, there's no Patur Mitzayir, L'choyur, there should be no Patur Mitzayir the first night for Holchidrachim. So how could Rav Hunabar Bizna, the Chol Gedoyle Hadur, the Gemara says, not have sat in the sukkah the first night because they were Holchei Drachim. First night, L'chayur, there should be no Ptur of Holchei Drachim, just like there's no Ptur Mitzayir. Okay, this is our sixth riddle. The Rush, the Turin Simon Tuflam and Beige brings it, says there's no Issa to be mafsik once you started your Badika's Chametz. In other you started the Mitzvah already, now you could talk. He brings a Raya. Maybe you have to finish the entire thing, like by Shaifer until the end. He says, no. He says, just like in Sukkot, once you make the Leishev Basukka, the meal starts. You could talk. So you see, even though the entire meal, the entire day, in fact, from beginning to end, is a mitzvah sukkah, and you're allowed to talk in the sukkah, even though you're in the middle of the mitzvah, he says the same thing by Bedika Schametz. So you see that a mitzvah, once you started, you could be conversant. What's the raya? The reason you're allowed to talk by sukkah is maybe not because it's a hefsik. doesn't bring you a raya that it's not a hefsik. Maybe by other mitzvahs it would be a hefsik. But Teishu Gain Tadur says all your yeshiva is supposed to be like the rest of the year. 
including when you come into the sukkah, you should be talking to everybody like you would the rest of the year. Lamashal, for example, um, in Tafresh Chavtes, the, uh, the Mishdubur brings from the Chayadam. He says, somebody who's coming to the sukkah for three hours just to talk to, he makes a leishiv sukkah because that's what he's doing, right? In fact, la halacha, it's very interesting. Let's say somebody who doesn't, can't eat um, um, wheat. He has, suffers from celiac or something. What does he do? He comes to the sukkah and he would make the bracha on uh, meat, on vegetables, etc. Why? Because the ikka mitzvah is the yeshiva b'sukkah. Chazal will kiveya the bracha on the achila. And it's here where you, there's going to be no achila. So then, according to the chayadam, or according to what's it, where if there's a lighter achila, you, you, you would make it on that. But avada, avada, the entire sitting in the sukkah, the entire day, you're speaking. If you came just to talk for three hours, the chayadam says you would make a, you would make a bracha, leishiva sukkah, right? You're spending the rest of the day in the sukkah. So here it's because that is the teishvu. So maybe, it's, it's not, it's not that it's not a hefzik. The, the, the dibur itself is the mitzvah. Whereas in the middle of the Badika, there's no reason to be to speak. So what is the Raya of the Rush? That is our next riddle. Okay, here's our next riddle. The Mishnabura in Simant Chafhei, Sivkat and Memzayin says, if somebody's chayotz is tefillin, because he has to go to the bathroom, he says even if his das was to put them right on, he has to make a bracha. Why? Because since he's not allowed to wear them in the Beisak, he say, so it's a becheftza, a hefsek. Even if you, you said you don't want to be mesiach das, the beisakisa is becheftza hesachadas because you can't be mekayim the mitzvah. It's mufka from 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 mitzvah tefillin. So the Mishnebura brings it from achrayim, right? Question is, the Mishnebura says, if somebody has to go to the bathroom and you're not allowed to go to the bathroom, certainly not gedolim in the uh, in the sukkah. So the Mishnebura says that if somebody has to go and, and he goes out, he doesn't have to make uh, and he goes to the bathroom. What's the law? It's not a hefsik. And when he comes back, he continues his yeshiva sukkah without making a new bracha. Lagabe tefillin. We say the fact that you can't tefillin in the bathroom. What do we say? That is pechefza hesachadas. Here by sukkah, even though you can't have a bathroom in a sukkah, and you can't go to the bathroom in the sukkah, the fact that you went out does not create a hesachadas, and you don't have to make a new bracha. What is the chilek? And here is the last uh, riddle. The Mishnabura in Tuf, an astonishing Mishnabura. In Tafresh Lamates of Kutn Chavdal, it has a suffix. He says, the, the, the Das Hagayin, the Gayin is Machadish. The Gemara says, the first night is a Chiyav, to eat Matzah, Erev Teichlomatzis, and the rest of Pesach is a Rishus. And the Gayin is Machadish, it's a Rishus. But if you do it, there's Taka Kiyum mitzvah. It's not that a Rishus and you've done nothing, you've just not eaten Chametz, you've eaten Matzah. But he says there's actually a kiyam of achilas matzah called shiva. That's the chiddush of the gain. So he says, he quires the same shaila. Is the ikka mitzvah achila basukkah just the first night? And the rest of the seven nights, is if, seven days, if you have to eat, you eat in the sukkah. Or is the rest of the seven days also each achila, achila of a mitzvah? It's a, it's a pella. By matzah, you don't have to, you, you, could, you, could, you could eat matzah the first night. The rest of the days, there's no mitzvah to eat matzah. If you want to eat matzah, eat matzah. You don't want to. You, you could not wash the rest of the days. Eat, eat, mine peris, whatever it is. Okay, the fact that there's a chiv suda, zain, but it's not, it's not a din in Hilchah's Pesach. There'll be a yomtiv to get in. It's not a Pesach to get in. Right? So, uh, by Sukkis, Teishfuk Einta Duru says, all your living, the entire Sukkis, have to be in the Sukkah. It's a vada. You can't not live. 
Why? This is, this is a tour of Holchei Drachim, it's not Teishu Kein Teduro. But the Ikechiyah of Sukkah is Teishu Kein Teduro. By Matzah, who said you have to eat Matzah the rest of the thing? The rest of Yom Tev. By Sukkah, Teishu Kein Teduro, you have to live in some place the rest of Sukkah. So of course, the mitzvah is the entire Sukkah. No, it's Lechaira, Ashtarka are on the Mishnabura. These are our eight riddles. Um, it is going to be hard to get them all, I agree, which is why we put a, a bogey of $250. But on the other hand, if you wrote them down, they do make very good discussion by the umptive table, and it should be goyrim to a to a shaklavataria masumatan balacha. Let's go to our next section. So we spoke about how, you know, in Lakewood, New Jersey, Tom's River, Jackson, Howell, Kanai Nahara, right? Faratsta Yamavakadma Vitzafina Venegba. And it's now arguably the largest Jewish community in Chutzlaretz in the world. And the uh, the head of the Aguda for New Jersey is Rabbi Avi Schnell, who I've had some differences once or twice in the past with, which, by the way, is, you know, the Gemara says that a Sanhedrin, that's Kulei Chayev, is, is, is Zakai. It's not possible for a group of Jews to get together and not have a disagreement, right? So, you know, if, if, if we're all agreeing, one of us isn't thinking. But what we do have to recognize is, and I've heard this, I have family that lives in Lakewood, is that there are really big problems that a growing community has, you know, busing for the children of 3,000 children in Jackson, and Jackson Township refused to pay for the, for the vendors servicing Lakewood yeshivas to provide the services. What happens? The yeshivas have to pick up the busing. Busing is expensive. The yeshivas, which are barely surviving, as Rebbeim can tell you, you know, their salaries um, aren't going anywhere, became untenable. So what happened? Avi Schnell without going into the details, got the Jackson Board of Education to enter into agreements with Lakewood's vendors. Same thing. They blocked uh, the, the Jackson Township, had a ban on having yeshivas, dormitories, and Erevin in the township. Again, who stepped up to the plate? Avi Schnell. He got the first increase in funding in five years with technology, that means computers, nursing, health for the schools, textbook allocations, Chapter 192 funding, Tutoring, in-class support. Again, Avi Schnell. You know, I have a list here we made from uh, from the various Askanim. There's another 10 items. Honestly, we don't have that much time here. Let's go to hear what uh, one of the one of the, the, the Askin of Jackson says, who, who we couldn't survive without. Joining us from Lakewood, New Jersey, is Rabbi Mordechai Bernstein. He's the dean. He's the menal of Naima Spesiakov. He's also a chaplain in Jackson, New Jersey, by the mayor. I understand he is the Askin in Jackson. Welcome, Rabbi Bernstein. Thank you for having me, and thank you for giving me so many titles and positions. <laughs> okay. I understand that Avi Schnell has been particularly helpful to your community. Can you tell me how? Sure. Avi is uh, there for... Every Yachid, but especially the Jackson from community, um, as everyone knows, Jackson unfortunately has multiple litigations that Avi took the plunge and took the lease um, going back, I think it's 2016, it could be even 2015, um, to file suit on behalf of the firm community in Jackson, and truthfully, it wasn't just on behalf of the firm community in Jackson, it was really on behalf of the entire firm community in the greater Jackson, including Lakewood area, um, who were affected by these uh, ordinances, civil rights uh, ordinances, and uh, Avi took the plunge, he took the leadership, he filed suit on behalf of the community, and that was really the first, uh, 
I think, his first fray into getting involved in helping out the people in Jackson, New Jersey. And what were these ordinances? When you like, you would have gave so the town, yeah. So yeah, so the town went ahead and they banned um, yeshivas from existing in Jackson. They banned dormitories, which obviously affected multiple masifas and multiple midrashim. And they also made ordinances that affected, that limited the ability to build a from school in Jackson. Um, Avi sued. It was been ongoing for multiple years. The town came into negotiations. Town walked away from negotiations with with Agoda. Avi went ahead together with Agoda and they filed for an injunction request, and the recently judge, the federal judge overseeing the case, actually just granted it to, to, to the Agoda, um, where now hopefully we'll be able to have yeshivas and maistas hachinach in Jackson. So without that Avi, was, uh, there would be no maistas hachinach in Jackson, that's the bottom line. Well, if no one, if no one would have uh, taken that leap and filed suit, those ordinances which were discriminatory, um, the judge basically said that that's that with his injunction ruling, um, there would not be an ability to currently build Maisa Sechenach. So Avi took the lead. It could be, you know, I didn't know anyone else who filed suit, so I guess Avi gets, obviously gets the credit for that. They're going to put their name to it. They took the whatever responsibility that involved with litigation is, and they, they took the lead. That was Aleph and Bayes. The town also went ahead and made it more difficult for people to build Erevin in Jackson. Um, and uh, Avi included that together with his litigation, and uh, he filed suit over both um, yeshivas and also Erevin for, for the Jackson Kehillah. Do you think that this affects the, the, the cities around Lakewood um, when Absolutely. they come? To, tell me how. So first of all, it affects the, 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 the from community on a, on a very large level because, as we all know, there is a tremendous shortage of yeshivas in Lakewood currently. There's a, there's a, can I know how a lot of uh, children who need moistus, and uh, because of the fact that there are no moistus in Jackson, there's over 3,000 from school-aged children currently living in Jackson, close to 3,200 from age students, and all being bused into Jackson. So, A, it's a tremendous agmas um, nefesh for both the parents and obviously the students because there's no yeshivas and they have to go into Lakewood, but then it's putting a tremendous strain on the mices in Lakewood because now they're covering and they're taking the burden for, for all the kids from all surrounding communities. We all know the class, class sizes in Lakewood and uh, the, the mices are bursting at the seam. So obviously if there'd be mices in Jackson, it would help not just the Jackson community, it would have local mices that obviously help a community grow, but also would obviously help the, the, the greater Lakewood community. Um, but I think it also sends a very strong message to all the neighboring towns um, that when you uh, consider making ordinances that are discriminatory and uh, targeting the from community, think twice because you realize that the from community does stand together and there are those who will advocate on behalf of the from community to ensure that we could continue to, 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 to flourish as a community here in, uh, I call the term, Ocean County, New Jersey. Okay, so that's obviously very important. 3,000, Kanainahara. Are you aware of anything else that he's done community-wide to be helpful? Sure. Avi's been very helpful in many other areas. Um, one area, Avi's been a tremendous asset and uh, advocate for the firm community is that there are other services that the that, uh, that the schools and the Yechidim benefit from. Title I services, other state-funded services, mandatory services, that the, many of them go by the district where you live in. So um, being that their Kanainahara is a very large growing population of from people currently living in Jackson who sent to private schools and Tom Zerver also and other places obviously been at the forefront to ensure that these services are um, are, are received on behalf of the students who live in Jackson and Tom Zerver and other municipalities and, and go to yeshivas in Lakewood obviously been at the forefront ensuring that those are taken care of obviously been extremely involved um, Jackson for many years did not 
service. Um, the Lakewood, the, the Jackson kids going to Lakewood Meisters. Avi was at the forefront of Baruch Hashem for this coming up for the current school year. They are finally changing that. They're going to be allowing services to to begin. Avi was obviously the one who took the the bull by the horn. Um, you know, got all the the, the Meisters together and encouraged them to to follow the proper processes that in place in order to get those services that are taken care of. So when, when, when you refer to services, like what type of services? Um, Title I services, which is generally reading, math, other, you know, basic tutoral, tutoring uh, services that are state mandated and federal, federally mandated based on income and other, you know, various criteria that obviously Avi could tell you more of. Um, and uh, Avi, for many years in Times River, I think they, they've, they've, they've worked together with the from schools to give those services for the Times River students. Jackson, unfortunately, didn't. Um, and obviously, it was a tremendous, um, tremendous eco for the kids. And Avi took the lead and, uh, and Baruch Hashem for this upcoming school year, the current school year, the first year that Jackson is, is servicing together with vendors that work together with the from schools to ensure that every kid in Jackson and Avi obviously gets a very big credit for, like I said, organizing the schools and ensuring that uh, that we properly advocated, follow the proper procedures in place together with the Jackson Board of Ed to get what we needed. So if a kid lives in Jackson and he's going to school in Lakewood, because like you said, there are no schools in Jackson, sure. those Title I rights are transferred to where the kid goes to school in Lakewood. Right, but, it, but the one in charge of giving those Title I is the district that you live in. I understand. So if I live in Jackson, which is where I live, I so they're, they're in charge of... It goes with the child. So the Makai Chayafel, what does he do that... That, like, what enables this? Like, I've never met him, so like, describe what is he? Is he a, is he just fearless? Like, how would you describe what is his superpower? So I, so I don't like talking about people's uh, people's personal traits and milas, but um, he's there for the for the and for the tzibur. there for everyone. Um, I know many many times people call me with questions, you know, legal questions, and I tell them call Avi. Avi's that address. So obviously he is fearless, and obviously he's there for yachid. He's an Isaac for Bamuna. And uh, he's there for everyone, and uh, he does it way above and beyond uh, his call to duty. Um, I've had many people I know have called him late at night, early in the morning, you know, all times of the day. So if you ask what his character, what which, what are his miles, what are his character traits, you know, again, I, I, I can't say much besides the fact that he's an Isaac Kutur and he's there for everyone, and he always answers his phone and his emails, and he just uh, wants to help out everyone, both the Yachid and the class. It sounds like he's not easily intimidated from what you're saying. Um, I didn't say that, but I would assume so. It, it definitely takes it takes someone with a little bit of gavura and a little bit of kaiches to go ahead and file a federal lawsuit against a, a township. Um, as we all know, the township of Jackson is also sued by the Department of Justice and by the New Jersey Attorney General's office. So, you know, to join those uh, those uh, on that level and be involved in that level obviously takes a, a level of commitment, a level level of determination, and not backing down, even though you can come to a municipal township meeting and get people unfortunately booing at him or whatever else goes on. And you know, realizing that you're doing it obviously with the dust tire and you're doing what's right and uh, and uh, continuing forward. So obviously he's not a, he 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 definitely has some of those characteristics that you mentioned. All right, Bernstein, thank you very much for your time. You too, Coltus. Thank you. Bye bye. In conclusion, I say we tip our hats uh, to Avi Schnell, Rabbi Avi Schnell of the Agoda. To leave a message, call seven three two. 806-8700 and press number 2 or email at info at headlinesbook.com Now let's go to our two tremendous Talmud Hachamim that are going to speak about Chalamoid and Hochel Sukkot by Francis and Rabbi Elephant. 
We have the great honor joining us from Chicago is Reb Moshe Francis. He's the Rish Kail of the Chicago Community Kail. He's a Mechaber of a Sefer on Hilchas Chalamayid, which will be the topic du jour. He's a Talmud of Rav Palm Zuchayna Lavracha and Rav Guzman Zuchayna Lavracha. Welcome, Rabbi Francis. Thank you very much. Let me share with you a story. Well, I used to go hear the shiurim of Rav Guzman. I have so many stories with him. But one story in particular, it was a Friday night. He was walking outside Netzach Yisrael, his yeshiva, up and down, you know, in, in uh, Rechavia. I forgot the name of the exact street. Karen Achesed or Karen Yisrael, maybe. And, um, and, it was, and he walked like a malach. Like, and there were a whole bunch of Israeli soldiers, like 10 Israeli soldiers, walking down the street. And they saw him. And they were all carrying their guns. And they looked at him. And they were like, just felt a little bit, I guess, not so Shabbistic. So one of them said to him, he said, you know, Kvod Arav. He told him, Slicha, that I'm carrying Neshek. B'Shabbat. Sarah Gusman looked at him and he said, do you know what I would have done to be able to have Neshek when I was your age? Wow, that's a great story. He lived as a partisan, as well known, you know, and he, he basically starved for four or five years as a partisan, and he, he lost his only son, so it was just for him. Was a... So tell us, Rabbi, Rabbi these some of the most difficult and misunderstood halachas in Shulchan Aruch and Archaim are halachas chalamayid. Can you give us, you know, we don't have, I'm sure you could speak about it for days. Give us some of the klolem, maybe some of the things that people are not aware of. Sure. Well, first of all, Malacha, that is Osir and Shabbos and Yantif, is also Osir and Chalamite. And some Rishonim consider the Isa of Chalamite to be an Isa de Raisa, others consider it to be an Isa de Rabbanan. In certain cases, exemptions were given to allow working on Chalamite. So the more well-known exemptions are Tzarech HaMoyed, Tzarech Eichel Nefesh, so now there are certain Shabbos prohibitions that do not apply to Cholamite at all. For example, Hoytzah, you're allowed to carry whatever you want on Cholamite, any place, the Chumim, Mutza, and Mimza Chefzcha V'dabedava. You're allowed to plan business activities for during the week on Cholamite. There's no Isa. Now what many people don't realize that the starting point is that all malacha that is prohibited on Shabbos and Yantiv is usar on Cholamite unless an exemption exists. So a lot of people go with the opposite assumption. They assume they could do everything on Cholamite unless they find out that something's prohibited, but it's the exact opposite. Now, in many cases, even when work is permitted, but it, not, it may not deliberately be scheduled for Cholamite. You also may not ask a guy to do it for you ordinarily. Now, one of the reasons that malacha is us on Cholamite is because of tircha. The physical or mental exertion associated with malacha detracts from simchas yantif. There is a machlokas uh, if malacha without any tircha is prohibited on Cholamite. For example, let's say you want to flip a light switch for no purpose at all. You're just playing with the light switch. So there's a machlokas whether you're allowed to do that on cholamai. Since it doesn't involve any tircha, it is malacha, but it does not involve any tircha. Tircha without malacha, the opposite case is also usa, even if no malacha per se is involved, such as moving from one house to another house on cholamai, even if there's no malacha, but it involves a lot of tircha. 
and it's awesome. Now, if you were, there are certain things, common things that people do, and they may not realize that they're committing a prohibition. So, for example, there are people who take Cholamoy trips to go apple picking. They do this for recreation. They enjoy apple picking. The kids enjoy apple picking. Apple picking for pleasure should only be done if some of the choicest apples that are picked are used during the yuntas. The same is true when fishing for pleasure on Cholamoy. Many posts can prohibit it unless the fish caught will be eaten during the course of the yuntas. When we spoke to Rav Moshe, we asked Rav Moshe this Shaila. So we actually Paskin that you could fish for pleasure without eating from the fish, but he said it definitely would be preferable to eat from them during Yontif. Uh Now, there are other things that people do and don't always realize that they're in violation of halacha. For example, teal, taking a recreational trip, that's considered a tzayrach but Let's say having a mechanic repair a car in order to take a pleasure trip during Cholomite, that won't be allowed since most repairs involve a Maisa Uman, skilled malacha, which is not permitted for a Tzarech But if a car breaks down while on a trip, repairing it would be permitted in that case since it would be a dover ha'ave to leave the car there and to have to return after Yontif to retrieve it. There would be a lot of expenses involved. And uh, so therefore, uh, you are allowed to, in that case, you would be allowed to have the car professionally repaired because that's considered a dover ha'ave. For a dover ha'ave, you are allowed to have professional repairs, but for a tzorach then you can only have uh, use, have uh, un skilled repairs made. So shopping, let's say shopping on Amazon. Let's talk about some modern, you know, modernish things. Would shopping on, on Amazon be mutter on Yom Tif or not? Well, uh, 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 using a website, well, that is called shopping on Amazon. If the transaction is completed, which I believe it is because you do pay for it with a Instantly. credit card. Yeah. when you're shopping. So if the a transaction is completed, so that would be an ISA of Prakmatia. There is a prohibition of buying and selling on Cholamite. So to buy or sell anything on Cholamite is, is also unless it's a Tzorach or unless it's a Dover Aved. So let's say you are shopping on Amazon because you need a dress or a suit for Yontif. You don't have a, This would be nicer than anything else you have, and it's going to be delivered also on Cholamite. So, in other words, you're going to be able to use it on Cholamite. So, if it's a Tzorach because you really need a suit and it's a nicer suit than what you have, then you'd be allowed to to buy it on Cholamite. But if it's not nicer than what you have, assuming the transaction is completed on Cholamite, then you would not be allowed to buy it because that would be the ease of Prakmatya, buying and selling. What do you find, Rabbi, Rabbi Francis, what do you find halachically that you get the most chilas on in Cholamite? Like, what are some of the common chilas that people struggle with? Okay, so I'll give you an example of some shilas that we've been asked over the years. Uh, one common shila is a person, let's say, he hired, hired a builder to build a new house. And then the contractor, he, Cholamite comes, and the contractor is coming there to do work on Cholamite. So he tells him he doesn't want him to work on Cholamite on his property. So, but he, if he makes the 
person stop, he's afraid that he's going to transfer his workers to a different job and they may not return for a long time, or for different reasons, this is going to cause him a substantial loss. So even though it's going to cause him a loss, and even though it's a davar ha'aved, it's still us to have them work, because there is an ease of marasai, and people who see these workers working don't necessarily know that it's a contracting agreement. They may think that they're being paid by the day or the hour, which would definitely be usa. In addition to that, the Shibayli Halek, it says that Malechus Mechubah is Afsha Milsa. It's a real zilzal hamayid. It's for a person to do work on real property, on mechuba, on chalamite. So therefore it's prohibited even if a loss would occur. So it's advisable if someone has a contract of building him a house that uh, when he signs the contract with him originally, just like he says he doesn't want any work done in the house during Shabbos and Yantif, he should also uh, stipulate that he doesn't want any work done on chalamite as well. Fascinating. Yeah, continue. Now, also, Let's say gardeners, and they're also not allowed to work for you on Cholamite. That's also Mechubalakarka, and they're not allowed to do work for you on Cholamite. So if you have a gardener who comes regularly to your house, um, and so then you should send them away. Of course, it would be preferred if you would make up with the gardener in advance that he shouldn't come to your house in the first place during Cholamite, so you don't have that problem. Um, another shayla that comes up with people that people ask is that they have children, and they know that you're allowed to wash children's clothing, if, since children who get their clothing dirty all the time, they saw their clothing frequently, so you're allowed to wash such children's clothing on Cholamite. So the question is, until what age are you allowed to wash such children's clothing? So if Shlomo Zalman Arbach and Rav Eliashev say up until the age of six or seven is considered the age when children frequently soil their clothing, but on the other hand, Rav Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg says that it depends on the individual individual child. If he soils his clothing constantly, then even if he's 11 or 12, then you may wash his clothing on Cholamite. Another shayla that comes up that people ask is um, someone says, you know, I had a lot of guests over Yontif and I ran out of linen and it would be expensive for me to buy a whole new set. So can I wash it? So the answer is, even though generally one should buy new clothing rather than wash clothing during Cholamite, there's an ease of washing clothing during Cholamite, so a person shouldn't come into the, uh, the yontif not being prepared and not having clean clothing, uh, just like he's not allowed to take a haircut for the same reason, but, uh, but if a person uh, has to, so generally speaking, if you have a choice about you run out of a certain item of clothing, you run out of socks, an adult that is, so it, it would be, the, the adult is supposed to buy new clothing, new socks, rather than wash the old ones. But in the case of a new set of linen, which is very expensive, and the person doesn't really need that set, so we would be permitted to wash uh, the linen in that case. Now, it would be best, if they're washing it already, that they should add the linen to a load of children's clothing um, and also have your non-Jewish cleaning lady, if you have one, do the wash. Because if it's added to Marba Bishurim, if you add it to a, a, a load of children's clothing, that, that's more cooler dick and having a non-Jewish cleaning lady do the wash is also more cooler dick. So if you would have to wash uh, a set of linen, that would be the best way to do it.
Now, Rabbi Francis, do, do we, you said it's a machlekes rishayinu, whether it's a drabanan or a daraisa. And obviously, an afkamin would be if, it, if it's a suffix. So if it's a suffix, drabanan would be mutaf, suffix, daraisa. So the, the question would be, is, would there, is there any, do you use the svar of shvus to shvus b'maka mitzvah, or it's l'gabi amira l'akum al-chalamayr? Yes, we do. That's a good question. Uh, for example, let's say a person wants to fix his car in order to go visit his parents or his Rebbe on Cholamite. So that is a Tzayuch Mitzvah, to visit, visit your parents or visit your Rebbe on Cholamite. That would be a Tzayuch Mitzvah. So it would be muta for a person to fix his car uh, through a guy, even if a nice woman is needed, because that would be a shvus to shvus b'maka mitzvah, and he'd be allowed to do it. Even according to the shita that malacha and chalamayt is raisa, but there is the shita of the yireim. The yireim says that you're allowed to do even one shvus b'maka mitzvah. So even though on Shabbos we're not make go generally like the yireim, but on chalamayt you could be. So in either case, whether or not malacha on chalamayt is the raisa or the rabbanon, it would be permitted to have a guy fix a car in order to visit your parents or your rabbi on chalamayt. Very nice. Give us one, one other Shiloh that you get a lot of on Chalamayr. Well, there is, um, I'll, I'll give you two if you want. Good, two, Adarabah. Okay, and the, the people ask, could they take driving lessons on Chalamayr? So, driving a car without any Tzarech HaMayr is prohibited by many Paiskim. So, according to this, driving lessons would also be prohibited. Like Rav Moshe, for example, holds that a person is not supposed to take driving lessons on Cholamite. Now, driving a car, if you're driving a car for no Tzarech HaMayr, so most of the Paiskim assume that that would be Asa on uh, on Cholamite. So, by the same token, you wouldn't be allowed to take driving lessons either. And um, another question that people ask, women ask this question, they want to know if they could cut, wash, or set their shaitel on Cholamoid. So the answer is, according to Rav Moshe Feinstein, it's included in the gezera of taking a haircut or washing clothing on Cholamoid. So therefore, Rav Moshe Feinstein says that you're not allowed to do any of those things, cut, wash, or set a shetel on Cholamoid. But if this is the only shetel that a person has and it's not wearable, so then this would be the equivalent of a dover of it and it would be permitted. Fascinating. Wow. Give us another Shiloh, Rabbi Francis. Okay, sure. Um, there's something that I was thinking of. To be honest with you, no one ever asked me this Shiloh yet, but I was thinking about it myself the other day. Let's say someone, uh, you need someone's phone number. Now, if it's a Tzorah HaMoed, you're allowed to write down someone's phone number. The type of writing that we do, Ksav Meshita, uh, ordinary writing, it's considered a Maisehejit, and if it's a Tzorah HaMoed, you're allowed to write a phone number down. Let's say someone has a phone and and he could put the number into his phone instead of writing it down. So if he puts it into his phone instead of writing it down, so then he doesn't have the malach of ksiva because putting it into a phone, since it's done electronically, most postcoms do not consider that to be regular ksiva. So I was thinking if a person, therefore, someone wants to give him a number and he, and he takes a pen to write it down, while he has a phone, then he would be uh, much better off 
put it into his phone. He may not be allowed to write it down in that case at all, if it's a tzorcham, even if it's a tzorcham because he has a better way of doing it, which doesn't involve any real malach, any real ksiva, and that is to put it into his phone. By the way, people also ask a lot of questions nowadays about emailing and texting, and many posts can hold that, that it's not a problem to, to email or to text uh, because it's not real ksiva. So, so even if it's not a tzarech people would be able to email or text even in connection with uh, business matters. Uh, it would be permissible to email or text because that's not real ksiva. So then, per- and that's a very, very important halacha given how much texting. I mean, let's face it, most many people don't even write anymore. Right, right. So. So you do have a cool-up nowadays because texting or uh, emailing is not considered regular ksiva, and there's a mark on, I'm not saying that every single person agrees with this, but there's definitely a very good basis to say that a person would be allowed to email or text even if it's not a tzarech because that's not considered to be regular ksiva. And it has, it has ramifications in business as well, because a lot of business is conducted by, by uh, emails and texting, and that would not be considered ksiva. And for all the yeshiva bacham, what about chidushe Torah? Are they allowed to write? Yes, you're allowed to write chidushe Torah if you think you're going to forget it or if it's going to enhance your learning during chalamayit, so then you are allowed to write. So a lot of people, they find they learn much better if they could write while they're learning, if it's going to enhance their learning, or uh, they're afraid of forgetting it. If they don't write it down, then they would be allowed to write down the Chedusha Torah on Cholamoid. The question is, if someone is uh, good with a computer, would it be better to write the Chedusha, put the uh, input the Chedusha Torah into a computer instead of writing it? So if a person is very adept at using a computer, then it might be preferred, if it's just as easy for him to do it that way, it might be preferred to input it into a computer rather than writing it out. Give us one last Shiloh you get a lot of, or that you find particularly interesting. Maybe a Shiloh you find particularly interesting. Well, I think that that what is what's important here nowadays, let's say, I'll give you an example of a Shiloh that I think is important. Let's say nowadays, um, um, someone is, let's talk about business activities. We didn't talk much about uh, going to work on Cholamite. Maybe for a second we should just talk about that. Let's say someone um, is thinking about whether he should go to work on Cholamite. So what's important to consider is that of a means that you're losing something that you already are in possession of as opposed to Meniyas HaRevach, just future profit. So, for example, let's say a person is trying to decide if he should go to work, and, you know, he's already taken off uh, Shoshana and Yom Kippur, and he took off the first days of Sukkot, and he's been missing a lot of days from work. So, if he's afraid that he may jeopardize his job, he may get fired if he takes off on Cholomite, then that's called the Dover Abed, and he's allowed to go to work. But let's say his boss tells him, listen, you want to take off, fine, but I'm not going to pay you for Cholomite. So, he's going to lose those wages. So those wages are called Meniyas HaRevach, and a person uh, would have to take off, and he wouldn't be allowed to work on Cholamite. So, 
very important to know this, that it's only if a person is going to lose Karen, principle that he has in his possession already, then he's allowed to work. That's called the Dava Ave. But if a person is just going to forfeit future profit, the wages that he would earn on Cholamai, then that's not called a Dava Ave. Uh, similarly, it's also good to know this, that let's say a person has a store or a business and he's trying to decide whether he's allowed to open up on Cholamai. So let's say he has workers who are working for him. Uh, let's say Goyim or whatever they may be. Let's say it's Goyim workers that are working for him. He has a big business or he has a factory and he has a lot of people working for him. If he has to close on Cholamai, then he has to pay these workers. Let's say a case where we'd have to pay these workers anyhow for uh, for for Cholamite, he could he cannot dissuade them, or he would not be allowed to uh, tell them to take a, um, a a holiday without any pay at all. So that is a duffer of it, because if he can't keep his business running, he has no money coming in, and he has to pay all of these workers, then that would be considered a duffer of it. Also. Let's say he's going to lose regular customers. He has regular customers, and he's afraid that if his business is closed, these customers are going to buy elsewhere. Uh, and But the thing is, they won't come back to him after Cholamai. They'll be upset with him. They'll patronize someone else during Cholamai, and they'll like that new person better than they liked him, and he's afraid that he's going to lose those customers. So that would be called the duffer of it also. But, of course, in all of these cases, a person has to ask a shayla because it's very complicated. Hilchus Cholamite is very complicated, and, and a person can't necessarily make these type of decisions for himself. Arguably, the, some of the most difficult halachas in Archaim is, is Hilchus Cholamite. Yes. Well, Rabbi Francis, it's been a big honor to have you. Thank you very much, and a good jump tips to you and to the family. You too, good jantiv, and a ksivav chasim a good kebench jar. Amen. Kalta, bye-bye. Kalta, bye-bye. From New York, Rabbi Moshe Elephant. He's the chief operating officer of the OU, but he's all here in his capacity. He does the worldwide dafyaymi magachia, with as many as 3,000 listeners a day. That's a lot. Welcome, Rabbi Elephant. Welcome, Rabbi David. How have you been? Somebody asked me a shiloh. He's a fellow. He has two elderly parents. They were very careful during COVID. And he used to go here and there. He tried to be careful. It seems he wasn't careful enough. He got COVID. He wasn't aware of it. He brought it home. And his father got COVID and his father died. Why? Yeah. You know, it's happened a thousand times because everybody who died from COVID caught it from somebody, right? This is not like, a, this is not like asthma. And so why did he call me? He said, uh, I'm a Kayan. Because the Mechaba says brings in somebody used who killed is uh, is not allowed to be oil l'duchin. So he said he asked me is he allowed to be oil l'duchin. So it was a very interesting shaila, and I imagine more than one person have it. Yeah, well that's an interesting shaila, but um, I, I, it's interesting you, you you point this out because just this morning in our dafyamishi, I give a dafyamishi live also in my shul. We discussed the shi- the shaila that you're mentioning about a kohen, and we discussed the shaila if you comes up in Israel if you have a soldier in the Israeli army who might have killed someone, is he allowed to do in the future? Same shaila, and I remember the question is, is he did he kill an Arab or he killed a Jew? Oh, right. So there could be a difference if you kill an Arab or Jew. But if you look 
at the Paiskim, it's not so poshit that it's only if you kill a Jew, because the Pasuk says, as you just read it, the Mechem, the Dechem, the Mechem, Molu. It's a din in the Yadayim to kill somebody that such hands shouldn't do duchening. But I know, if, so, I, if I remember correctly, the Prisha in Tours says Beferish that is talking about uh, that he killed a, a Jew. Yeah, but there are those that are machmer. Yeah, there are those, but there the are those who argue. I think the Mardachai argues, et cetera. Yeah. Right. But here, I, you know, even though, of course, it's a terrible story, I don't think that it should be awesome because it wasn't, it wasn't something that was direct. It was, at best, I would probably consider it a grommer. A wasn't direct, it was a grommer. And as you also correctly said, everyone who got COVID caught it ostensibly from someone, but not everybody who caught COVID died, Baruch Hashem. I also caught COVID, but Baruch Hashem, I'm here to speak to you. So I'm not sure that just because you exposed somebody to COVID doesn't mean that you would be considered in any way a retzayach, that you wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think that it's at best a grumble, maybe not even a grumble. In other words, you feel that somebody, let's say, who, who is sick and knows he's sick and gives it to another person, he wouldn't be a mazik? Well, Hilchus mazik and Hilchus retzayach don't necessarily travel together. Yeah, but Grumma would travel by both the same. Grumma, why? A, a, a Ritzeich Grumma is not Chinese, sir. I've had an Agmazic Grumma is also not. I think what you're saying is a Raya. The fact that we see that the Torah was lenient on a Grumma ben Zokin is clearly an indication that a Grumma is not considered a Maisa. If a Grumma were to be considered a Maisa, why in all of Halacha are we lenient with a Grumma? No, I agree with that, Rabbi Elevin. I'm just saying that a Grumma is something that's indirect. Is that a I don't think it's a Grumma. If somebody, somebody comes to Shul and he has the flu and he sneezes in your face, in Halacha you would be able to be Tevea him if you could prove it. You'd be Tevea him for, for, for uh, if he did it negligently. The Nezik Tari Plishavis Abayshis. Why not? Because I don't think so. Because I sneak, no, I don't think it's not an other mazel because it's not certain to happen. The definition uh, uh, of a grumma, Hello, if you shoot a bullet, a, let me ask you, Rabbi Elephant, if you shoot a bullet and you shot from a long distance, you're not sure you're going to hit the guy or not, and you hit him in the foot. Are you chayiv or you pata? So uh, I'm not sure. And if it was not something that should be ex- expected, I'm not sure you'll be high. But here for sure, not everybody caught COVID just because they were exposed. I and understand that. Not everybody it's, died. It's like shooting bullets. Some, some got it and some didn't. Some got hit yeah, in, in the right spot. Be some, there either. If somebody if shooting shoot bullets. Somebody, if I meant to shoot somebody in the foot yeah. and I missed and I got him in the heart, right. am I right there? Absolutely right there. I'll show you, but you're right there. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. it, and it could be car of Lamezid. Could be car of Lamezid because you know when you're shooting at somebody, it's hard to say that you're shooting. Do you know you're going to do that? Everybody, I guess the argument would be everybody who shoots isn't sure he's going to hit in the heart. So if you, you know, but he meant to hit the heart. So I have meant who meant to hit the heart and hit the heart is where it's at. I'm just saying, Rabbi. But Elephant, I didn't mean to. I think it would be very hard to say that if a guy's throwing rocks and he's not sure he's going to hit your window or not, and he does, he's putter because it's a suffix. I, I, I think that would, yeah, I mean, that, would, that, would okay. that would be very I'm, hard. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I don't know if it's a great two-style because, again, you know, throwing rocks at windows is going to break your window under normal circumstances. Exposing somebody to COVID is not necessarily going to kill the person. But if it's an elderly person, there's a pretty good chance. Even an elderly person. We all know elderly people that also Barksham survived. 
So, so again, so, so if somebody's shooting bullets and there's only a 10% chance he'll hit the person, would you say if you hit him, he's going to be puffed because it's, uh, it, was, it wasn't a bad day that he would do it or it was a rave that he wouldn't hit him? I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I could hear a slow. I'm, I, I'm not, this is not really my field, but I feel <coughs> okay. to ask him. I don't they want don't to do, You're him. saying that in the, OU, in the OU, they don't do a lot of murder halacha. No, we don't do a lot of murder halacha, Baruch Hashem. We're dealing, we, 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 we murder, but we murder animals. We check the animals. We try to stay away from people. I would, I would just say one thing about the Kayin Shaharag, that the Beis Yosef is very mach when he holds tshuva doesn't help. Right. And, and Ramah holds tshuva helps, so it would be a, a chilik if it's a Sephardi who's asking, or it was actually rather an Ashkenazi who asked me the question, but if it was a Sephardi, it would be more chamer of a shaila. But it's interesting how, yes. how the world keeps unfolding, halacha keeps unfolding. Right, no? right. right. there's new shailas every day. You could have what to put into your safer. <laughs> there you go. So tell us some ha'aris on sukkah that you think are important that the should know. Okay, so, you know, when we speak about sukkah, so first of all, the first thing that comes to mind is the famous Torah in Simon Tafresh Chav Hay that says that sukkah is a unique mitzvah. Because when we do a mitzvah, so we do the mitzvah. Avada, it's appropriate to know what you're doing. It's appropriate to know the halacha of the mitzvah. It's, it's appropriate to know what the mitzvah is all about. But as the Torah says, beautiful words, he speaks about and he speaks about how when somebody sits down in the sukkah, he has to know that why he's sitting down in the sukkah. You know, the famous Bach, the Bach, based on this Torah, says that there are three mitzvahs where knowing the reason for the mitzvah is absolutely essential to fulfillment of the mitzvah. Sukkah, tefillin, and tzitzis. You know, people put on tefillin and tzitzis every day, uh, all in a rush usually, and we don't always remember why we're supposed to put on tefillin and why we're supposed to put on tzitzis. And here, the, tar, the Bach, based on that Torah, says, Leman Yedu. And in fact, I saw, I'm sure you're familiar with this, David, that we remember the Gemara, as you just said, we're finishing the Sech Sukkah, the Gemara and Dasir Aleph, the famous Machlaikas between Rebbe Leza and Rebbe Kiva, that what would a, uh, what is the Sukkot when we making a Zeich for the Sukkot, which is so critical to know that Machlaikas. Was it a Nani Yakovit or Sukkot Mamish? So if we're saying now, based on the Torah on the back, that when we sit in the sukkah on Yontif, we have to know the manyeda there a second, we have to know what this is all about, so we have to know both the opinion of Rav Leza and Rav Kiva. And I saw that the Pnei Yeshua already asked the question, the past discusses it as well, if we're going to say that the mace of sukkahs is Danani covered, so we could understand the Lamanyeda Derusechem, that a Baruch Hu made such an incredible nace for us, that he made Anani covered protect us from all sides. But if it's sukkahs mamish, so why, why do we have to have a zeicha for the sukkah mamish, which we're saying is essential to the fulfillment of the mitzvah? So, so they, they suggest that even according to the man the Amr, that it's sukkah mamish, it's not this, we're not remembering the sukkah mamish. The, the zeicha, and this as we're saying is, is essential to fulfillment of the mitzvah, is all zeicha which is trying. We're not remembering the nane covered. We're not primarily thinking about the sukkahs. We're thinking about the Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. These were all what happened once we left Mitzrayim. So it's critical that as we sit down the first night to time the mitzvah, and everybody wants to time the mitzvah properly, they should, it's, it's an easy mitzvah to do. When you're sitting down and you're being time the mitzvah, you should have in mind, Laman Yehudu Derusechem, that Kodesh took us out of Mitzrayim, and when Kodesh took us out of Mitzrayim, the Gevald Ganesim he did for us, and we should have, and, and we should remember that, by, and be Mekayim the Mitzvah properly. 
So let me let um, me let me explain to the ilum what Rabbi Elephant is saying. He's saying that even though, in other words, the Shulchan Aruch, I believe, is in Simon Samach, and Aruchayim says that we hold mitzvah striches kavana. So there's three levels in mitzvah. The simplest, the, the, the first level is you have to be mechavin that you're doing a mitzvah. I know I'm doing a mitzvah. I don't know the reason for it, but I know I'm doing a mitzvah. Now, the, I believe the, the Mishnabura, but there's a famous Hayadam that says, really less than that helps too. He says, let's say you go to the Seid and you're eating matzah and you're not thinking about doing a mitzvah. Hayadam says, that's also called kavana because what are you doing by the Seder? You obviously came to do a mitzvah. If you go to Shul, you're putting on your, your talis or whatever. You, you came to Shul, Mustama, to, to Davin, so that would be a mitzvah. So that's the most minimal. The second is to know you're doing a mitzvah. And Rabbi Elephant is telling us that by Tzukis, by Tfilin and Mezuzah, the Torah and the Bach say, over here you need an extra kavana. Not only do you have to say you're doing a mitzvah, you have to know the Tamha mitzvahs. Why I guess are you by, doing it? Yeah, by Tzukis, by Tzulin, I believe it's because Lamantia Teres Hashem Beficha. Right. And by, by, by Mezuzah, by, uh, by uh, Lament, and by Tzitzis, it's that's the Chiddush Rabbi Elephant is saying over to the Machmirim and I, I, I just wanted to say that the Orcha Shulchan I found has an interesting shot that the Orcha Shulchan says that the Zecher and again it's a once a year mitzvah that we can do properly we're supposed to think about the 40 years we were in the Midbar how Kersparko took care of us for those 40 years in the Midbar Right. So again, so these are easy kavanas to have to help us be mekayim the mitzvah properly. This once a year leishu basuka the way it's supposed to be. Right. That's one thing. That was and, one and thing. And I, I would was just, thinking. I would just say that from a from a machshava point of view, part of Yom Kippur is yitzia lecheres. What happened on Yovel of Yom Kippur? Everybody went free, right? There was, mm-hmm. a, and we go free from our past burdens. We, we, we're, we're sprung free from our jails, from the prisons. It could be mental prisons. It could be psychological. It could be, you know, fears, uh, is, all the isms we have, right? So right, when, we go, right. when we go into the sukkah, like it's Zechali Yitzhiya Spitzrayim, in other words, that Yitzhiya, that, that entry into the freedom, that leaving all that baggage behind that we celebrate with the Tkiyah Gedolah, of the Yom Kippur Shal Yevel, you should be mamshich through the whole sukkah. Every time you go into the sukkah, you say, Zecher li Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. I, w- I have the ability to believe the Mitzrayim, Mitzrayis Nafshi. That's sort of giving a... Uh, you know, I once saw a Gevald Gevard, what you are just saying. And the Yom Narayim, what are we davening? Rechein tein pachtacha. That we're davening to Kaddish Baruch that we should have Yerushalayim, we should be in fear of him. So if you would go to, I'm not a psychiatrist. If you went to a psychiatrist, they spend their days telling people how to shed all of their fears. And here we go to Yom Tov. We daven v'chein tein pachtecha, v'chein tein amoscha. Your fear should be in all of us. Yeruch kol amatzim, v'shtachul fenach kol aburim. So shouldn't, you know, not us. But maybe it should be, they were taken out of the davening. The answer is that this is the way to solve all the fears. If we have fear of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then there's no room for any other fear. And that's the way we're able to shed, like you said, all of our isms. Very nice, beautiful. Tell us another another halacha tradition. Uh, the, other halacha that, the other halacha that we have to think about, certainly when we think about sukkahs and we think about the Dalaminim, is that although, of course, as we all know, there's a mitzvah of Zekeli Van Veyu by all mitzvahs, there's a mitzvah of mitzvah by all mitzvah, but there's no mitzvah that the Torah expressly says Hodor, just like just by the, only by the Dalaminim, which is interesting. Moreover, you go to people now beginning the season, I guess people go to buy Dalaminim, and everybody's looking for the plaque. If there's a black dot, if there's a black dot, there's a chash that's a chaser. But as, as we learned in the sugyas and the sechta the issue of a chaser is only an issue on the first day yontif. 
and in years, not this year, in years where the first day on to the Shabbos, it's not an issue at all. Hadar is an issue all, day, all eight days yontif. Pre-eighth Hadar, that's what has to be Hadar. So parenthetically, I like to repeat, I'm sure you're familiar with the Chsam Seifer. So you have a person who bought the most beautiful esrog that he could find, and now he takes it, and the halach is, and I was speaking some halacha, there's a famous Rakanti. The Rakanti says that he had a guest. He had a guest, an Ashkenazi, and at night he had a dream. And he saw that this, Guest of his was writing the Shem Hashem, Yud Kei Vav Kei. He was writing Yud Kei Vav, and then there was a distance when he wrote the, the letter Hey. And he couldn't understand what does this dream mean. In the morning, he saw this guest of his taking the Dalit Minim for the Nanuim, and he saw that he held the Esrig in one hand. We know the Gemara says that the Esrig is supposed to be held in the left hand, and he held the Lulav in the right hand, but he didn't put them together. He said, now I understand my dream. The Esther and the Lulav should be kept together, not be separated. Just like when you write the Shem Hashem, the Yud Kei Vav Kei, all the letters should be next to each other. So if you're going to want to be Mekayim Dar Halacha, then what's likely to happen, says the Chesem Soifer, is that your Esther may get spotted from being right next to your Lulav. So here you spent so much money and effort to get this beautiful Esther, and now comes Yontif, and it got spotted after the first day. So the Chimsaifer says that don't be worried. That is called Hodor. If your Esrig got spotted because you were doing Nanum, you were doing the mitzvah properly, that's not a, that's not a definition that it's lacking in Hodor. But on the contrary, it, it represents Hodor. So here we have the mitzvah Dalminim, where Hodor is a requirement for the mitzvah. So just like you said, Advar Machshava, I was also thinking Advar Machshava. Why does the Torah more than in any other mitzvah emphasize the need for hodr, need for beauty, by the Dalaminim, versus any of the other mitzvahs in the Torah. We know they have to be done the hither, but the Torah doesn't expressly say so. So we all know that the Medrash says that what do the Dalaminim represent? The Dalaminim represent the four types of Jews. All the four different types of Jews, and we Combine them. And that's why when it comes to combining, when Jews are combined, there's nothing more beautiful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu than our combination of being combined. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, as much as I'm looking that you should do a mitzvah in the most beautiful way, a mitzvah which represents the actus of Klai Yisrael, that's the mitzvah I'm particularly concerned that it should be done for And I have a riot to my vart. Because the Gemara, more than once in the Masechta, it's great that we just let Masechta sukkah before sukkah. Next year, I don't know if I'll be able to have this kind of a conversation. The Gemara says, Bachlokis Rabbi Huda and the Chachamim, as Lulav by Eged. Does a Lulav have to have that the Lulav and the Rovis and the Dasan be tied together? Rabbi Huda holds that Midaraisa has to be tied together. And the Rabbanan hold that no, but the Raisa, they don't have to be tied together. But the Rabbanan agreed should be done. And the Gemara says, why did the Rabbanan agree should be done? Because that's called Hodor. That's called beautiful. The question is, where is the beauty? In what makes that particularly beautiful when you tie the Lulav and the, and the Hadassim and the Ravas together? Where's the beauty? So I you think the, the beauty Rabbi? is when you, tie, when you tie different types of Jews together, that even the Rabbanan who say that maybe it's not required to be done with the Raisa, but that's harder, that's beautiful, when different types of Jews are tied together, are all connected. So you're saying the concept of diversity, 
right? The the growth through diversity is we already see that in in, in sukkah and by the little by the, you know you said over some cipher of some cipher that mishmash that comes from a mitzvah is hither. A lot of towns they used to have one estrogen lulav and everybody would share it. So they say over a story, many stories. Somebody the gavir in the town bought. He didn't want to share it. He was afraid it would get bruised. And they would tell him this some cipher the bruising adarabah that makes it more beautiful. I'll tell you a story. A husband came to me. And it's a high school to hearts. He's, his marriage is not doing so well anymore. He married a beautiful girl. They were in love and this and that. And now it's 15 years later and they have five kids and she's harried and she's not the beautiful young woman he, 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 he fell in love with and it's, it eats on him. And I said to him, this is some cipher. I said, she's harried because she's getting up for your child at 4 o'clock in the morning to feed or at 2 or whatever. And she's harried because she's making supper for your kids and she's running and she's taking care of the house. I said, this is, this is the, the mishmush from a mitzvah. I said, according That's to the some cipher, this, she's more beautiful now than she ever was before. Oh, what, what a nice two, that's a nice tooth, though. I, I, and that's, and that's, we have to know what is harder. We have to know what's harder. If I could take what you're saying a step further, um, you know, as people spend so much time and effort on looking for that beautiful Dalaminim, and of course it's a mitzvah, like we said before, it's only a mitzvah that we could do once a year. But maybe including the Hadar is what else we do around Yontif. You know, we should maybe spend less time looking for Esri and more time doing other things that are important. And I'll start to what you're saying. When I was in Eretz Yisrael, a story went around, a few stories. He used to say stories from Shlomo Zalman, and Gaman came into him, and he showed him a beautiful esrig. You know, and they, they used to show him Shlomo Zalman was the mumch in Eretz Yisrael on esrigim. One, one, one of the rabbanim of the Badats also they used to go to. So uh, he looked at this esrig, and he sees it's a few hundred dollar esrig, and he's looking at the Yingaman, he turns to the Yingaman, and he says, uh, Mm-hmm. Did you buy your wife a dress for Yomtev? Which is what the Rambam brings as one. So the guy shook his head, no. So Shlomo Zalman looked at the Esrig, he said, the Esrig Fadiya is puzzle. Right, this is not for you. This Esrig is You know, we, we have to remember what is the Hadar. You know, there's so many stories, I'm sure you've heard them all, about people who had an Esrig with a pitim, and somebody in the family accidentally dropped the Esrig, and the pitim fell off. First of all, the Halacha, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, it's only a problem... If you didn't shake the esrig on the first day yontif, after the first day yontif, if the pitman fell off, it's not considered a chaser. So it's not a, it's not a, it's not a problem. You can make a bracha lechatchila on all the other days. But getting upset at the family member who broke off the pitman by accident—that's certainly not hodor lechaladeis. And hodor is required all the days of yontif. Beautiful. Tell us another halacha, Moshe. The one other thing that I'm thinking about a lot, maybe because, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, we're talking about the end of Masech Sukkah, that the theme in Mitzvah is tomorrow night, and the end of the Masech speaks about uh, Simchus Beis and the Simcha of the Simchus Beis And, uh, you know, there's so many Gemaras that speak about it, you know, the Zakanan and everybody who participated in the Shevach, Sidon, Van So I was thinking that... What is, you know, there's so many different shots, but what is the lesson of the Sunk Space of Shavu? So the, the famous Nedrish, at the beginning of Pashas were coming close to coming back to Pashas and the Medrash says, the Pashas says, there should be a division between the Mayim al the water that's in Shemayim, in the, in the clouds, and the Mayim Tachtonim, the oceans that are the water on this world. And they came and the Mayim Tachtonim, the water that we have in this world, came to the Abishta, came to Hashem with a complaint, Anon be'inon lehevekami malka. We too 
want to have an opportunity to be close to you, Hashem. And the Baruch Hu says to them, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Every year, Sukkot, we do Nisach HaMayim. And the Nisach HaMayim, of course, is done with the water, as the Mishnah teaches us, that they drew from the Shiloach, which is water that's right here available to us. And we pour it on the Mizbeach, but it comes close to Hashem. I think, you know, you mentioned before people being happy, people being unhappy. I think the lesson of the Simchas Pei and the lesson of Sukkot is that we should be happy with the Mayim, with the water. Learn the lesson of the water. What makes the water happy? That they can be close to Hashem. Just being close to Hashem is enough to make us happy. You don't have to have a, a fancy home. You can go out to the sukkah, a, a small sukkah. The first mission in the Masechta began. We're teaching us the sukkah. is already possible because it's the dearest kavah. And we passing the dearest kavah. is not a kosher sukkah. The whole lesson of sukkah is to get our priorities right. What is hodor on sukkah? What is what makes simcha? Simcha is when we're close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And I was thinking that the Gemara says that what the Chassidim that Anshe Meisa sing by the Simchas Beshaiva, Ashe is the Kunaseinu Shleibosheinu. They came and they said, "We're proud to say that even our old age, we have nothing to be embarrassed with our young age." What does it mean that we have nothing to be embarrassed with our young age? So the, the Rashi says on the spot that we spent our lives. Even when we were young, we did the right thing. So, so all the Mufashim ask a question. How could somebody who spent their whole life learning and doing mitzvah say that we were on the same madrego, we were on the same level now that we're old when we were young? We constantly know and believe that a person who's doing his avodah Hashem properly is growing, not staying at one level. So even the Hasid of should say that our old age is better than our young age. Because what Kodesh Baruch Hu says to us, I'm looking for you to do every, fill up your day, every day properly. I recognize that when you're a young Bar Mitzvah Bachar, you can't answer Kivega's questions. But if you're spending your days properly, if you have your priorities right, when you're young and when you're old, you always have your priorities right. That means, like it says by Avram Avinu, Avram Zokin, Baba Yomim. What does it mean, Baba Yomim? He came with his days. I always like to say over this following story. I'm sure you've heard it. Emery Emmis came home from the Vaya of his father, the Sas Emmis. And Emery Emmis had a brother, a very famous person in, in Poland, the Moshe Batalo. The world says, right, he was Nistar Kiddush Hashem. Emery Emmis originally had wanted that he should be his Mamal Mokim. He should be his successor. But like you just said, he was Nistar Kiddush Hashem during the war. And it's Havav, the Svasemis, it says, Moshe Batal Yalachri, and then you see it's crossed out with a later date. Ka'ais, he says, B'ni Yisrael, Yamal Mokimi. Oh, wow. So he, writes, so he writes, so he came home from the Levaya, and he says, no, it's terrible, our father, the Sassanus, was Nifter, but at least he was Maruch Yomim. So Moshe Betzawel turns around to him He was only says, 54 was or 52. Yom. He was 52. Yeah. He was 52 years old. What are you saying? He was Maruch Yomim. So, so the Emma I mean, said, I didn't say he was Maruch Shonim. He wasn't Maruch Shonim. He was Nifter, he was 52 years old. But he was Maruch Yomim. Every day, he spent his day doing what he's supposed to do. The days, he had long days. Each day was a worthwhile day. And I think that's part of the lesson of the Simchas Beis that what is real Simcha and what we should spend our lives doing and where we should have our priorities set straight. And that's the way we end up being Kamei Malka. That's the way we end up standing in front of the Kodesh Baruch Hu.
Ramosha, that was Gavaldic. Thank you very much. That was Gavaldic. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.